Thanks for listening to the Valley Point Church Podcast. We hope it's a blessing to you. Welcome to For Pete's Sake. I'm excited about going on this journey with you of investigating the life of Simon Peter. We're going to spend time with this apostle and follower of Jesus over the next seven weeks. We will dive into scripture, and here's what I think will happen. He, Simon Peter, will mentor us. He will provide life lessons. He will encourage us as flawed individuals to be faithful. There is so much we can learn from his life. One scholar states it this way. The disciple and apostle Simon Peter is one of the most emblematic figures of the gripping drama of following Christ. He left everything right at the start without hesitation, but he still had to confront the claims made on his freedom by Jesus, by circumstances, and by his own fragility, and repeat his initial yes to the very end. Peter, he had to keep saying yes to Jesus. This is who we get to journey with, and a journey it is, because Peter's story begins down the shore. How about that? I believe we will be able to connect in many ways to this faithful, yet flawed follower of Jesus. His story is going to help strengthen and shape our story. If you have a Bible or a device, I would love for you to find Luke chapter 5. Luke is a New Testament book, and this is one of the passages of Scripture where we are introduced to Simon Peter. Luke chapter 5, I'm going to begin reading with verse 1. Here's what it says. One day... As Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. They were really interested in what Jesus had to say. So Jesus noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So Jesus sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, listen, Jesus, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. This doesn't sound like a great idea, but if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. Please find your talk notes, which apparently will help you stay awake today. And if that's what it does, that's a good thing. Grab your talk notes. I want to begin with a big idea. And let's just walk through this together. This will shape our conversation today. Spending time with Peter, which is what we'll be doing. Time with Peter helps us see Jesus as someone who desires what is best for us. Spending time with Peter. That's what we're going to be doing for the next seven weeks. We're going to listen to what Peter said. And we're going to look into the activities that occupied his time, as described historically for us in the Gospels. And we're going to allow Peter to mentor us, so to speak, 
Peter was a faithful but yet a flawed disciple and a flawed follower of Jesus, and I think that describes all of us as well. We may desire to be faithful, but yet we are human. We do have flaws, and so we're just going to sit under the mentorship of Peter for a handful of weeks here and let him speak to us about how we can be faithful in the midst of our flaws. So spending time with Peter, that's what we'll do. Today will help us see Jesus as someone who desires what is best for us. Even when we don't get that, even when we don't understand it, even when it doesn't make sense. Time with Peter helps us see Jesus as this individual who desires what is best for us. Since we're gonna spend several weeks allowing Peter to speak truth into our lives, I thought it would be good to roll out some fun facts about Peter just so that we get to know this individual. So here's the very first fact we need to know about him. Scripture tells us that Simon was from a village called Bethsaida. That's where he lived. That's where he would have grown up. And this is where we find him interacting with Jesus. You can see on the map that Bethsaida is a village on the northern shores of the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee plays an important historical part in the whole narrative of Jesus. Jesus spent quite a bit of time interacting with people in and around the Sea of Galilee, but it's not a very big body of water. It's only about 13 miles long and seven or eight miles wide. Someone shared with me that the Sea of Galilee is approximately half the size of Delaware County. So not a very big body of water, more like a lake, and scattered around the shores of the Sea of Galilee are all of these different little fishing villages, and that's what most of the people did who lived around the Sea of Galilee, including Peter from the village of Bethsaida. Here's what else we need to know about Peter. His name at birth was Simon, and he would have been known as Simon, son of Jonah. Whenever studying scripture, we have to dive into the cultural reality of how they lived because it was a different time than what we're dealing with today. And what we discover in the Bible cultural context is they really didn't have last names as we know them today. They would have been known or identified by their family. Okay, your name is Simon. There's a lot of Simons out there. Who's your father? And Simon would have replied, well, I am Simon, son of Jonah. Oh, well, you're Jonah's son. You're part of that family. That makes sense. And that's how they identified themselves. If I would have lived during Bible times, it's likely that I would have been known as Eric, son of Frank. That's my dad's name. And if I were to roll that out, people would know, oh, you're part of Frank's family, and this is how we know you and identify you. I believe that to be true of Simon. He is the son of Jonah. That's how people knew him. So I think that begs the question, if his name is Simon, son of Jonah, where does this whole Peter name come from? Well, that brings us to fun fact number three, and that is Jesus gave Simon a new name. 
which is great because Jesus has that kind of authority. He has the ability to look at someone and say, I'm going to give you a new name. I'm going to give you a new brand and a new identity. And as we'll discover in our time today, he also gave him a new job, which is really fascinating. But that's Jesus. He has that kind of ability and he gives Simon a new name. What's interesting about Simon's new name is that it's likely what we just read in Luke chapter 5. It's likely that isn't the first time that Simon and Jesus had an encounter. It's not the first time they met. John's gospel helps us understand that there was probably a meeting before the narrative of what we read in Luke chapter 5 where Peter and Jesus were able to talk to each other and John's gospel says this, Jesus looked intently at Simon. This is in John's gospel, and we can read this. Jesus looked intently at Simon, and you can picture that, can't you? Jesus seeing this individual with a lot of potential, and wow, who are you? And I think there's something great here. Now, the text doesn't give us that dialogue, and it doesn't share the thoughts of Jesus with us, but John's gospel does tell us that Jesus looked intently at Simon, and then he said this, Simon, you will be called Peter, which means rock. So Jesus gave Simon a new name, meaning the rock, and that has very significant meaning for Peter and for his future in building the church. He was known as the rock, Peter the rock. Now, no offense to actor Dwayne Johnson, who nicknamed himself the rock. Jesus gave that nickname and that identity to Peter a long time ago. So Peter, it is, he is known as the rock. Now, here's what else we need to know about Peter. Another fun fact, and that is Peter was a fisherman. That's what he did for work. And that was really his whole identity. And again, this is why we look at the context here to discover Jesus is interacting and preaching on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. Simon is from Bethsaida. That's Peter's hometown. It would have been a fishing village. And so when you put all of this together and when you read other accounts about the life of Peter, as we read today, you understand he fished. That was his job. That was his responsibility. And that's how he earned a living. Here's what we need to know about fishermen, though, in antiquity. Fishermen, which would have included Peter, were often known to be poor, uneducated, and lower class. So this is who Jesus begins to interact with here in Luke chapter 5. Individuals who are, they don't necessarily have a lot going for them. They're poor, uneducated, lower class. And here's what else we know about them. They really weren't religious individuals. So it's not like they had this big faith foundation. That was also missing as well. So in antiquity, this is kind of a rough crowd. These fishermen, poor, uneducated, low class, they don't really have religion. But here's what's fascinating about the Gospels and about what we know concerning Jesus. 
when he launched his public ministry, when he began to teach and heal people and really put his name out there, he set up his base of operation around the Sea of Galilee, a small little lake filled with all kinds of fishing villages and people who were poor, uneducated, and they didn't have a lot going for them, and they weren't religious at all, but it's to these individuals, to these communities, that Jesus said, come. Come, follow me. Follow me, and I will use you to accomplish something extraordinary. So with that as the backdrop, Peter, he's a fisherman. He's from a village on the northern shores of the Sea of Galilee. When Jesus began teaching and preaching and healing, he did that in that community surrounding this small little lake. And we know that Peter was a fisherman as well. With that as the backdrop, I want to go back to Luke chapter 5 and walk through this again because it really brings the story to life as we think about who Peter was and how Jesus interacted with him. Okay, here we go. Luke chapter 5 verse 1 again. One day as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. So there's our location. This is where Jesus was working. It tells us great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. They were interested in what this guy had to say. So Jesus noticed two empty boats at the water's edge. I want to pause there for a moment because whenever we're reading scripture, generally, whenever there is a number given, number of people or number of boats in this case, that's always something very significant to know. And so as you do your own searching in scripture, as you study, whenever you come across a number, circle that and highlight that and try to understand the meaning of the number. That actually proves to be very significant in this text because it gives us a clue as to the fishing technique used by Peter and his friends. And we'll come back to that in a moment. So Jesus noticed these two empty boats. They're there for the fishermen had left them. And they're washing their nets, stepping into one of the boats. Jesus asked Simon, its owner, let's push it out into the water because I need to talk to people and they're getting a little too close. I need some space here. And so that's what Simon did for him. And he, Jesus, sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. I think that's kind of a funny little passage to me, especially Jesus sitting in the boat teaching the crowd because guess who's in the boat with him? Simon Peter, like, hey, come here, buddy. I want you right next to me as I teach, and I want you hearing every word that comes from me. And you get the sense that Peter's kind of busy. He's preparing his nets to fish again, but yet he's stuck with Jesus as he teaches, and that's just kind of a humorous part of what Luke records for us. He's in the boat. Experts tell us, that the boat that Jesus was in at this time and the boat that Jesus used would have been approximately 26 and a half feet in length and seven and a half feet wide. And it would have been able to accommodate anywhere from 10 to 15 passengers. 
And these boats were used for fishing, obviously. That's what people did around the Sea of Galilee, or for transporting people from one side of the lake to the other. So just keep that in mind as you think about this boat. Verse 4, when Jesus had finished speaking, he said to Simon, here's what I want you to do. Go out where it is deeper. We're close to the shore, so I can talk to people, but now... We need to go out a little bit deeper, Peter, and I know you were fishing last night, no success, so let's do this. Let down your nets to catch some fish. (laughs) Simon replies, verse 5, master, look, here's the deal. You're a great teacher, and you're really interesting, and people like you, and they're coming to hear what you have to say, but I'm the fisherman here. I'm the one who's the expert, and I want to let you know, we worked hard all last night. We didn't catch a thing. We're preparing our nets to go back out again this evening, but fishing during the day, that's not really our thing. I don't know if that's going to work. A really fascinating conversation here between Jesus and Simon Peter. Really interesting, and it's worthy of our attention. So Peter's in the boat, Jesus is teaching, Jesus concludes, he gives his takeaways or whatever he would have used at that particular time, and he said, I'm all done with the crowd here. Peter, let's go out a little bit further during the daytime here, and I want you to throw your nets out and let's see if we can catch some fish. Peter's like, Jesus, I I attempted that last night. We didn't catch anything. We're cleaning the nets now so that we can go out and fish again this evening. Now, fishing at night had tremendous value for them. And this is, again, where we get a little bit of clues from the passage about timing and about the boats that are being used to pick up on some fishing techniques. It's very likely that Peter and his friends fished by dragging nets behind their boat, on the side of their boat, or even between two different boats. And they would do that at night so fish couldn't see the nets. And they would hope to catch quite a bit, but that obviously didn't happen the prior evening. And so he's trying to tell Jesus, fishing during the day, that really doesn't work here. We don't do that. We're preparing the nets, and we're getting ready to go out again this evening We're going to do that, but now Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. Let's try something a little bit different. Let's be countercultural here. I want you to go out and let's try fishing during the day. And you can just picture Peter's sarcasm a little bit here. Like, you know, are you kidding me, Jesus? Again, I'm the expert. Come on. I know how this works. And yeah, we didn't have any success last night, but people don't fish this way. This isn't a technique we use during the day. And so we've got to wait. And I think all of this helps us to understand. And here's our first thinking point. Jesus often inconveniences his followers for a greater purpose. That's just what Jesus does. And that's how he operates. And I believe that's what's happening here with Peter. Peter, I'm going to inconvenience you a little bit. I know you're busy and you had to listen to me talk and you don't generally fish this way during the day, but I'm going to inconvenience you for a little bit. 
Let's think about this because doesn't Jesus do that to us all of the time? He kind of nudges us and he prompts us to serve someone or to extend compassion or to use our time and our abilities to maybe get next to someone who cannot help themselves and that is always inconvenient. Whenever we get these little nudges from Jesus, it's not like we're sitting around with nothing to do. Oh, dear Jesus, thank you. Now I know what I'm supposed to be doing. It just doesn't generally work that way. Often it's very inconvenient. And I think it's just good for us to know that Jesus often inconveniences his followers. He did it with Peter. I think he does it with us today. And he does that for a greater purpose. Notice how Peter responds in verse 5. But if you say so, like if you have kids, you can picture this, can't you? Like, oh, for crying out loud. For Pete's sake, if you say so, right? I'll let the nets down again. I love this. I love this because, again, Peter's sarcasm comes out, and I think I respond the same way sometimes when I get prompts from Jesus. Are you kidding me? All right. Jesus, whatever, whatever, I'll give it a shot. If you have been parenting for any length of time, you know how this works. Here's Jesus with a little more experience and vast expertise in all matters of everything, telling Peter, I know it didn't exactly work for you, but maybe we should try this. And as parents, we do this. We see our kids struggling potentially with something, and we get next to them and say, I, I have a little bit of experience with this. I have some wisdom. And if you try it this way, it may potentially work, and life may be better for you if you attempt it this way. We do this, right? Nod your head a little bit. Yeah, we do this. And often our kids fight that because they don't always want their parents to be right. But generally, they come around and they may attempt it our way. And then they succeed. And we always let them take the credit for that, don't we? No. As parents, we gloat and say, if you would have listened to me the first time, we could have saved a lot of time and a lot of effort. And you would have been successful in a faster kind of way. And we gloat and say, come on. And I think that's a little bit of what's happening here in Luke chapter 5. Except Jesus doesn't gloat. He wouldn't do that. He simply offers an alternative, something that was certainly inconvenient to Peter and talks to him about trying it this way and let's see what happens. And Peter's like, okay, if you say so. And I think this helps us to know that Jesus uses our reluctance to accomplish good. And by the way, that's great news for all of us. Jesus uses our reluctance and our insecurities and our fears and our doubts to accomplish good. And even if we come to Jesus with trembling hands, he uses all of that, our reluctance, 
for good. And we see this over and over and over again throughout scripture. And I think many of us have that kind of story, how reluctantly we came to Christ and yet he's been able to do some things in and through us. Well, here's how the story begins to conclude. Verse six, try it, Peter. Give it a shot. I know this isn't what you normally do and you're the expert here, but try it. And Here's what happens this time. Their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat. And again, that just gives us an insight into a fishing technique in the Greco-Roman world. So get the other boat. Come on, we gotta, we gotta start pulling these nets in. We need some help. And soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking And verse eight says this, when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. By the way, that's a very interesting phrase and one we find threaded throughout Scripture. God working in and through people and saying, I'm going to inconvenience you, but don't fear. Don't fear. Do not be afraid because I am with you. And even though it's strange, and even though it may not seem like it's going to work, do not fear. Do not fear. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever sensed that Jesus is kind of nudging you to do something? And you have that stirring in your heart. Like, I think Jesus might want me to try this or that. And you're not always sure what to do with that. Maybe Jesus is nudging you to repair or restore a relationship that has been broken. And there's a lot of fear surrounding that, but yet you have this nudge from Jesus on the inside. Maybe Jesus is nudging you to volunteer here at Valley Point or with some other organization that serves people. Maybe Jesus is nudging you to invite someone to join you on your faith journey. Maybe Jesus is stirring on the inside and nudging you to go on a compassion trip and serve the least of these. Maybe Jesus is nudging you on the inside to become generous and give financially and to test God that way. Maybe Jesus is stirring in your heart to fill in the blank with whatever that stirring, that prompt in your heart may be. My challenge for all of us, including myself, when we get these stirrings, go, go, go. It's often inconvenient, but even with shaky hands, even with our fear and reluctance, Jesus can use all of that. And think about this. Our reluctance and fear and doubt is shattered in the presence of Jesus when he looks at us and says, follow me. And do not fear. Reluctance, fear, doubts, all that just shatters in the presence of Jesus. And that's what we see happening here. Verse 10, here's how all of this concludes. 
From now on, Jesus says to Peter, and I think the other disciples there as well, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. And I think this helps us to understand that Jesus calls his followers to fish for people. So uniquely, Jesus gave Simon a new name, a new brand, a new identity, and that will continue to come out as we sit under his mentorship in the weeks to come. In addition to getting a new name, Simon gets a new job. Peter, you used to fish for fish, for something to eat, and that's a good thing, but now I'm going to ask you to fish for people, and I believe Jesus is still calling those who follow him to fish for people. I think the question becomes, how do you do that? I think the way we do that, based on my observations of scripture and my research, is it's not necessarily about raising the volume on Jesus, it's about acting the way that Jesus acted with love and compassion and concern for all people for all people. And when we act like Jesus, I think in a very unique, grace-filled kind of way, we're fishing for people. Author Adam Hamilton has written a book about Simon Peter, and he actually suggests a daily prayer where we invite God to help us fish for people, and I'll share this prayer with you because I think it's great language. He says it this way, here I am, Lord. Everything I have is yours. And that's what we pick up on with Peter. He left everything to follow after Jesus. So everything I have is yours. Send me on your mission today where I work, where I live, where I play in my school with my team, whether it's a sports team or a work team or wherever it may be. Send me on your mission today. Help me fish for people. Help me to influence others positively and help them see Christ's love and grace through me. A great prayer that calls us in a grace-filled kind of way to fish for people and help them see Christ's love. Okay, from our mentoring session with Peter. We've had some time thinking about him and observing this interaction with Jesus. From our mentoring session today, here are two takeaways. Number one, even if you are reluctant to follow Jesus, give it a shot. Give it a shot and see what happens. And maybe you've never considered fully following after Jesus, I would ask you to give it a shot. And again, just see what happens. Maybe you have been following him, but for whatever reason, you've drifted a bit and that passion isn't there. And you've allowed someone or something to replace Jesus as the leader of your life. Someone or something else is in the driver's seat and maybe this is just a call to say, okay, I haven't been following the way Jesus wants me to follow, and so I'll give it a shot once again. By the way, this is the pattern of Peter's life. Following Jesus, a problem. Coming back, following Jesus. Falling once again, coming back and 
following Jesus. So even if you are reluctant, like I can't see how this will work, I can't figure it all out, even if that's the case, follow after Jesus. Give it a shot and see what happens. Takeaway number two, be open to inconveniences because Jesus sends them and continually say yes to Jesus. And this is something else we see Peter doing quite a bit of in his life. He fails and falls on his face, but yet Jesus offers restoration and Peter says yes. Jesus brings him back because that's what Jesus does. And then Peter fails again and Jesus restores and Peter says yes one more time. So be open to the inconveniences that come your way and be ready to say yes and continually and constantly say yes to Jesus. Back to the big idea. Spending time with Peter, which is what we've done today and we'll continue to do that in the weeks to come. I think today we've discovered that we see Jesus as someone who desires what is best for us. And so we go, we follow, we give it a shot, even when it doesn't make sense. I would pause it, especially when it doesn't make sense. Go with Jesus. Father, we are so grateful for what we read here in Luke chapter 5. An amazing account historically of where you lived and served and how you interacted with people who didn't have a lot going for them, but yet they listened to you. And you encouraged them to follow you. Wow. And you used these individuals who were poor and uneducated and really weren't that religious to change the world. Somebody like Peter. So God, would you do that in all of us? With our reluctance and fears and doubts, help us to keep pursuing you and following you. Help us to keep saying yes to you as inconvenient as that might be. God, I think that's just a better way to live. And there's a lot more fun with you than without you, ultimately. So help us to chase following you and saying yes to you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you call Valley Point Church home or would like to make a donation, please go to valleypointchurch.com slash online giving. If you're in need of prayer, we would love to serve you in that way. Send us a message at prayer at valleypointchurch.com. Be blessed.